Amen. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, Son, I thank you for providing for us a space and a place to worship you. Lord, the church is not the physical building, but Lord, it's the body of Christ that I've gathered to worship you in spirit and in truth. I just want to thank you for each and every single individual who are here in this place to hear your word. I pray that you would just provide your tremendous blessing upon their life. especially in the midst of their suffering, especially on the mundane days of life. Lord, may we remember that we are your servants, Lord, that you are our master. So may we serve you here today with humility and also with a joyful heart. May we understand why we're here and what you have called us to do here in this life. In this one life that we have, may we live this life to honor you and to please you and you alone. May we live for the honest of one. So guys, we transition to today's message. I pray, Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all the hearts for those who will be here listening today may be pleasing in your sight, O God. And we declare today that, Lord, you alone are our rock and our redeemer. We give you all the glory and all the honor. We thank you. We pray to you. And we trust in you. And we abide in you. We pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, and we pray. And all of God's people pray. Amen. 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 Uh, Let's all take our seat. And at this time, can we just quickly say hello to our fellow neighbors as we begin our service? I just want to thank you for all of you for being here with us today. Today, we're going to start on a new series, I guess you can call it. But we're going to be on the book of James for a little bit for the next few weeks. And the theme is going to be called Real Faith. Can we turn to our neighbor and say, Real Faith? faith. Part one, faith and action. So James, the author here today, all he talks about is action. Uh, James, a.k.a., he is, again, the brother of Jesus. He is not, don't mistake him as the apostle. But he is the brother of Jesus, and he's challenging us to put our faith where our tongue is, where our mouth is, to put our action where our tongue is. And he's teaching us today to serve one another with humility, to serve God with humility, and to walk in joy that is dedicated to Christ. So why is it so important to the Christian faith? To have a faith that is alive. Because a faith with no pulse is like a dead heart. It has no faith. There is no true discipleship. So God calls us, he's calling us to live a life that is alive with living faith. Faith that is living A life that is more than just an advertisement or a banner that we wear on our t-shirts. But it needs to be done with faith and action because faith and action shows that your faith is alive. If not, it is dead faith. Faith that can be seen by people's eyes, that can be felt with true conviction. So our main passage here today is found in James chapter 1, verse 1 through 8. And then I'm going to later at the end share verse 12 and verse 16 to 18. I'll get to that at the end. But let's begin with verse 1 to 8 in the first chapter of the book of James. So it says here in verse 1, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. It says in verse 2, the heading is trials and temptations. It says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. and it will be given to you. Verse 6, But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. 
Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Amen and amen. <clears throat> so James here is talking to people, especially Christians. They know what they ought to do. They know what they need to do. They know how they should live, but they have become blind by their pride. So he's talking to a group of people who have grown rebellious, who are living in rebellion, who are in it for themselves. They're not in obedience to God. So he is teaching the people and he's saying, turn to the Lord with humility. Put your faith into action. Because if your faith is not guided by living action, it is dead. So the challenge that I want to give to you today is are you, are you point number one, are you a humble servant? A humble servant. Again, James is who? He's the brother of who? Of the superstar, right? Jesus. Imagine having Jesus as your brother. You could use that as, a, as leverage. But he does not use his siblingship, his familyship, the same last name as a way to elevate himself. But what does he say? Rather, he addresses himself. Let's take a look at verse 1. What does he say in this letter? He says, James, a what? A servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right away, we see the humility. James is teaching us that if you want to be a true Christian, you need to have the mark of humility. And humility is not a sign of weakness, and it is also not about having low self-esteem. Oh, I am no good. I'm like a worm. That's not humility. Humility is this. This is what the scripture teaches us. Humility is, so point letter A, is to serve others before myself. B, to value others above my own. C, to place others' interests above my own. D, to have the same mindset as Christ. And E, to be of one in spirit as the body of Christ gathers together at church. We come in one in spirit in Christ. And this theme is found all throughout Scripture, especially in the, in the New Testament. Even in the book of Philippians, chapter 2, Paul, what does he say? As he's in prison, he says what? He reminds us, the heading says, imitating Christ's humility. He says in chapter 2 of Philippians, he says in verse 1, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, he says, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition. Again, humility. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, what? In humility. In humility, value others above yourselves. Now look into your own interests but each of you to the interest of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And the example that he gives, and this is very important here in verse 6, he says, who being in very nature God, he's talking about Christ, who being in very nature God, he's saying, Jesus Christ is God. Did not consider equality with God. Again, James as a sibling of Jesus, he could have elevated himself to put himself above others. You need to listen to me because I am the brother of Jesus. But Jesus, when he was here, he did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, to elevate himself. Rather, what did he do? He made himself nothing, like Isaiah 53. Nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness, the incarnation of Jesus, being born as a human being, there's nothing greater act of humility, no greater act of humility than the incarnation of Jesus. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place, and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, 
to the glory of God the Father. Amen. So why is Paul, why is James, why is this theme of humility, being humble, a humble servant, found all throughout Scripture? Why? Because that is exactly what Christ did for us. Fully God, fully man, he could have brought legions of angels to destroy the Roman soldiers who were crucifying him. But he chose obedience. Obedience to what? To death. Even death on a cross, as it says in verse 8. And we know and we realize here today that Jesus, the Son of God, also the title called the Son of Man, the title Son of Man is given to Jesus Christ alone in the New Testament. We know that the Son of Man came to this earth not to be served, but what? To serve. That's why it says in Matthew 20, verse 26, 28, Not so with you. Instead, what, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And he did for us. For this reason... Listen to me, man and woman of God. You need to become a great servant, the best servant of all, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with being his servant. Titles, everything else, all the accomplishments, everything we have, it's nothing. The question is, are you a true servant of God here today? Are you a humble servant. Lord, what an honor it is to be called your servant and to serve you today. And our last little point here, letter F, to live confidently in Christ. That's humility. Again, humility is not low self-esteem. Oh, I'm no good. Oh, I'm not that good. It's like, only you're good. No, no, I'm, no, please. No, I'm not good. No, stop, stop. <laughs> she continues to believe in that. But you need to be confident, confident in Christ with humility by putting others' interests, others above my own, being a servant, serving others, and loving others. I want to share with you a funny disciple. His name is John, and I'm going to stay on the book of John just real quick. I want to use John as an example, but let's just quickly go ahead and read John 13, verse 23 to 25. Because John, the writer who wrote the book of John and also the book of Revelation, he is the only disciple who was not martyred. Right? He died at the island of Patmos in his old age. Every other disciple died by being beheaded, crucified, burned, um, all the crazy killings of these disciples, but John is the only one that survived and died of an old age. And John, he paints a picture of himself. He gives him a title to himself. Again, who wrote the book of John? John. John is the author. So he calls himself a title called the disciple whom Jesus loved. That is the title that he gave to himself. So imagine Francis walks around and says, hey, what's your name? Oh, I'm Francis, the disciple whom Jesus loves, right? It's like, okay, all right, show off. But it's like, hey, but here we learn from the book of John, we see that John has such confidence in his identity in Christ. And then he continues in his writing, he kind of paints a picture of Peter as not too bright, as someone who is um, just... They do whatever they want to do, who is impulsive and not as wise, you know, hasty, passionate, I guess you could call it. But here, let's go ahead and read John chapter 13. It says in verse 23 to 25, it says, One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Again, who is the author? John. He's writing about himself. The disciple whom Jesus loved was reclining next to him. Who is him? It's Jesus reclining next to him. Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and said, ask him which one he means. He's telling John to ask Jesus 
Who is he talking about? Because John is showing that he has an intimate relationship with who? With Christ. It says in verse 25, leaning back against Jesus. What does that mean, leaning back? In other translations, it says leaning back means he is leaning on Jesus' chest, his breasts. So this is an intimate setting. This is an intimate relationship that John has with Jesus. You do not just go up to a stranger on a subway and lay on someone's chest and say, and ask them a question, right? You just don't do that. You can only do that to someone that you are close to, that you have an intimate relationship with. And then he asked them, Lord, who is And then whenever the disciple whom Jesus loved title comes, Peter is right there. I guess he's kind of clowning Peter. I don't know. But it's just very, I just find it very funny. In John 21, verse 7, again, another example is, Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, again, why is Peter here? It is the, it is the Lord. He's saying, John, I noticed that Jesus was the Lord, that he was there first. And then as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and he jumped into the water. So in other words, he's teaching us that to have faith also means to have action. He's not really clowning Peter all day because he's showing us, yet yes, Peter is different, but he also has the action to what? To jump into the water, meaning it's showing that they both have genuine and authentic faith, and they're both a true servant of God. And then it ends with this, John 21, verse 15 to 22, and this is towards the end of the book of this gospel. And again, Peter has betrayed Jesus. He is filled with what? Guilt. He is filled with remorse, shame. And then John, the author, the writer, he writes this. And this actually is pretty sad. The heading says, Jesus reinstates Peter. In verse 15, it says, When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He says, yes, Lord. He said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, he's talking to Peter, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Imagine betraying Jesus. Jesus resurrected from the dead. He is alive in the flesh. And Jesus is asking, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these, more than the world, more than everything else? And Peter is saying, yes, Lord, you know my heart. You know that I love you. And then it says in verse 18, very truly I tell you, and this is the sad part, When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. What is Jesus talking about? Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter will glorify God. He's talking about his, the way he will be martyred, the way he will die for his faith. Then he said to him, follow me. And then, Verse 20, Peter turned and saw the disciple, right? John. John is just recording all of this. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who is going to betray you? Again, it's the same John, the one who had an intimate relationship that was found in John 13. When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? What about John? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must, you must follow me. And this is very sad because we know how Peter's life ends, right? Legend says that he dies upside down on a cross as he's crucified. He says, unworthy to be crucified in the same manner as Christ, he dies upside down. 
He says, I do not deserve to be crucified. I'm unworthy to die in the same manner as my Lord, my King, my Master. For I am his, what? Servant. As James said, as Peter said, as Paul said. And we see not in 1 Peter, but on the second Peter, on his letter, on the book of 2 Peter, in the first Peter, he addresses himself as he says, apostle. But on the second Peter, book of 2 Peter, he says, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. So when I say be his servant, yes, humility, but at the same time, point F is what? Being confident. Like John, be confident in your relationship with God. Know your identity, know who you are and whose you are in God. We need to be confident in Christ. So again, letter F, to live confidently in Christ. And all of us here, each one of us here, we all have a special calling from the Lord, for we are the body of Christ. A specific work that God had created you even before you were born. When you were in your mother's womb, he had a plan for us, designed for you to do his work. He has orchestrated even before you, you were even born. But we need to remember that behind the fluff, right, behind all the exterior, extra cool-looking things on the outside, we need to get our foundation right first. What is the foundation? The foundation is that first and foremost, I am a servant of Christ, that he is my master. And if our foundation and our outlook in life is correct, and if our, our, if our roots are not rooted on the soil and, upon the, and we do not stand upon the solid rock of Jesus Christ, your house will eventually, what will happen? It will crumble and will be destroyed. Too many Christians, including me, a lot of times we focus so much when we're building a house, when God is building the house of our life, we focus so much, we start on the roof, we start on the windows, when we have not even laid down the foundation yet. You do not start a house by building the roof first. You start from bottom up. After you set the foundation, you build the walls and then the ceiling and the roof. And then after that, we continue being transformed more and more. Inward, we change as our roots are grounded and found, rooted in Christ, stand upon a solid rock upon Christ. Our outward, our windows change. Just like in, back in the day when New York was full, filled with crime, the governor came and he said, we're going to fix the windows. There are too many cracked windows, too many outside things. And we, they st he starts transforming the system from the inside and to the outside, and eventually the crime goes down. In the past, I did whatever I wanted with my body because it's my life. But now I am transformed. I live for him. I no longer do the things I used to do. It is not by my own discipline that I have done it. But Christ has transformed me from the inside out. But the problem is too many of us, too many churches, Again, our church also falls in that category. We always need to be wise and careful, for we can all fall any moment. Too many of us, we look like mansions on the outside. You look good, but our foundations are about to crumble. It's about to crumble any moment. So the book of James, again, is a book about action, faith that is alive. Right away, he goes ahead and he's teaching us First, and a very important lesson, are you a humble servant? Are you? Are you here to serve, or are you here to be served? Point number two, are you a joyful servant? So James, he goes right away from humility to rejoicing. He says in verse 2 and 3, it says, consider it what? Pure joy, pure joy. 
my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces what? Perseverance. So right away, right after humility, James is teaching us to be joyful in what? Not when things are good, not when things are easy, not when everything is going according to my plans, but in trials, in difficulties, in suffering, to be joyful in trials. Not when things are good, pretty good, but in trials and difficulties, he's teaching us to what? Rejoice. That's why Paul, even in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 16, 17, 18, we see what? What does he say? He says, rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is what? His plan, his will, God's will for you in Christ Jesus. He says to rejoice. And we see the theme of rejoicing, being a rejoicing disciple, all throughout the scripture, especially in the New Testament. We see the completion, the connection of the word rejoicing, to be joyful in trials. That life is going to be difficult. It's not going to be easy for the Christian faith, for the Christian individual. First Peter 1, 6-9, Peter, a different writer, First Thessalonians 5, Paul is the writer, and Peter, he is writing this also. Peter says what? In First Peter 1, verse 6-9, it says, In all this, you what? You. He's talking to you, Christians. He's talking to the Christian individual. He's saying, greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with what? Inexpressible and glorious joy. Joy. Rejoicing. Not happiness based on our happenings and our situations, but joy that comes from within. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your soul. Why should you have joy? Because you're saved. You have a relationship with Christ. So these two colossal titans of the faith, Paul and Peter, let's add James in there in our main scripture. They're teaching us to what? To rejoice, to be joyful. So point letter A, trials are to be expected. They're saying it's going to come. It will come. And when it comes, you need to be joyful. B, expect and embrace suffering. C, testing is from the Lord. D, it is what? What is the reason for all of this? It is for our good. As Joseph said in Genesis 50 verse 20, after he was sold into slavery, betrayed by his brothers, by his family members, it was all part of God's grand plan. He says, you intended to harm me. He's talking to his brothers at the end. He's saying, you meant evil against me, but God, God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Amen. And amen. amen. Just like the song, right? Praise you in the morning, praise you in the evening. Praise you when I'm young and when I'm old. I won't sing because I don't want to destroy your ears, but Francis, you want to sing for me? Do you know? I heard that you're not, that you're the only, every Filipino I know, they know, they sing really well, but I hear, yeah, I'm with you. We're in the same boat. But every season of the soul, if you could see how much you're worth, your power, your might, your endless love, then surely we will never cease to praise our worship, our worship. We worship Him in the morning, in the evening, even when I'm young and when I'm old, when I'm laughing, when I'm grieving, every season of my life, I worship him and I rejoice in him. Again, First Peter 1, in all this, you greatly rejoice. Paul says, rejoice always, First Thessalonians 5. James, he's teaching us in chapter 1, verse 2 to 3, he says, consider it pure joy. Pure joy, not when things are good and pretty good and it's easy, but when you are undergoing trials and testings. 
Again, not temptation. Temptation is not from God. God does not tempt you, but he does test you. He does give trials in our lives. Why? It is for our good. Again, are you a joyful servant? So, so far, are you a humble servant? B, on, on point number two is, are you a joyful servant? And lastly, point number three, are you a dedicated servant? Are you a dedicated servant? What's the definition of dedication? It is loyal, devoted, steadfast. Are you a loyal servant? Are you a devoted servant? Are you a steadfast servant? Are you just a servant for just one second, one moment? Next day, you're not. Uh, Dedication is often a word uh, that is overlooked. Um, Dedication is a quality and characteristic uh, that is lacking in this day and age. A lot of us, we say, I will do this, and then next week, We're not here. Uh, We're not dedicated. We're not devoted. We have quit. We have made up excuses and reasons as to why we could no longer do it anymore. But James is teaching us that when you make up your mind into doing something, you need to do it. And what is this thing here? It's talking about following Christ. We all have friends, even including ourselves, We make promises that we will do this. I promise I will quit this. But at the end of the day, it's all words, right? Filled with fluff, all exterior. Again, no foundation, no true substance. And I'm reminded of the movie, The Covenant, (coughs) the movie that recently came out by Guy Ritchie. And it's a movie based on a promise, right? The definition of the word covenant is an oath. A promise fulfilled. So the whole movie is about a soldier in Afghanistan, and he gets hurt, and they have an Afghani translator, and these people take great risk in helping the U.S. soldiers, right, because they're known as traitors now, but with a promise, with a return that what? That they will be compensated. With what? With visa to have a safe haven back to the U.S., Right? Of course, because obviously after you help the U.S., they can't remain. The, the Taliban, the terrorists, they will, they will kill these people, their whole family. So they take great risk, and the soldier, he gets hurt, the U.S. soldier, and the translator is with him. Based on true story, he helps him, drags his body, feeds him, makes sure that he doesn't die. And he saves his life. And then he wakes up from his condition, and he's in California. And then he tries very hard trying to find out where that translator went and what happened to his family. And he goes great lengths in bringing back his friend to a point where he even has to hire a private contractor in Afghanistan, and things don't go the best way, the best route, but he eventually finds him. And the story ends with him finding his family and bringing him back safely back to the U.S. Covenant, dedication, loyalty, steadfast, devotion. Where is that quality in our church today? Christians are known to be filled with fluff, to, be, to make a promise and an oath. And a few years later, we are no longer in it anymore. And we live in a world where we're just selling each other out, especially in the church, we sell each other out just for the convenience of it because our hearts have become corrupted. However, James, the book of James, the brother of James, Again, not to confuse him with the apostle, James. He's teaching us, he's teaching you to be loyal, to be devoted, to be steadfast to who? To our master, 
to be a real, dedicated, devoted servant of God. A dedicated servant. So what are the qualities of a dedicated servant? So point letter A, perseveres to the end. What do I mean by the end? That's exactly what I mean. Period. When you take, until you take your final breath here on this earth, you persevere to the end. No matter how many years, how long it takes, no matter how bad my situation may be right now, Lord, I will persevere to the end. It's not looking good at my church. It's not looking good at my home. It's not looking good with my job, with my relationship, with my friendships. But Lord, I will persevere to the end. As Peter persevered to the end, even to the point where he got martyred. As John persevered to the end, until he wrote the final letter, the book of the book of Revelation, until he had that period. We all have a purpose and a calling for something, but we need to persevere. We need to persevere to the end. We need dedication. Letter B, seeks wisdom from God. What do I mean by seeking wisdom from God? When we seek wisdom from God, number one, we find it where? We find it in the Word, in His Word, in the Word of God, not on the other help books. Yes, those things are good, but we mainly find it in the Scripture, in the Word of God, because the Bible says the Word of God is living and active and able to discern our ways. That's what it means, wisdom, to discern our ways through the Word, through prayer, through worship. Through worship, as we sit here and we worship Him with songs of praise, we worship Him. And that's not just worship, worship that's praise. Worship, praise is part of worship. Worship is about how we live our life outside of church. Every day, during the weekday, on the mundane of the days, we worship Him in our lifestyle, in our work. In all that we do, we worship Him. And you seek godly counsel from those you trust, discernment. That's what wisdom is, discernment. Ultimately, wisdom is what? What is the point of wisdom? Is to be Christ-like. Is to be Christ-like. What do I mean by Christ-like? To be Christ-like is to have the mindset, same mindset as Christ Jesus, as it was said in Philippians chapter 2, as Paul said, to have what? The same mindset. It says to be, to walk in humility, to be humble. What does it say? Exactly. Let's go ahead and read it. Let me just go and find it. Philippians 2. It says what? Having, not looking, or it says, rather humility, value others above your own, above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And he says, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. What is that same mindset? It's humility, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. So we see right away that wisdom is about discernment. It's about ultimately being Christ-like, to be Christ-like in our thinking, in all that we do, and the decisions that we make in this one life. Just like the bracelet we used to wear, right? WWJD. Let us see. Ask God with confidence. Again, be confident like the, the disciple John, right? The disciple whom Jesus loved, right? Never in shame. Never in shame. But ask God with confidence. Because at the end of the day, who cannot be shameful? You know, even if, I, if God were to look at my life from yesterday and today, just two days, if you were to just randomly and choose one day, I mean, I won't be able to even speak for I'll be too shameful because of how much of a sinner I am. But God is bringing us from a place of shame to a place of confidence. Why? Because of what was done on the cross. We're no good. I know I'm no good. But God is teaching us today to be confident in Him. Not in what you've done, not in what I'm doing, but in who He is and what he has done, and what he is doing in our life. And letter D, lastly, is ask God with no doubt. Can we turn to our, our neighbor and say, no doubt. no doubt? 
<laughs> Say, no doubt, kid. No, I'm just kidding. No doubt. In other words, doubting is how James is teaching us, like restlessness. You ever been on a boat? Uh, you ever been on a storm or a wave? Even when you're on a solid ground, when the wave comes, you're restless. Right? Even dogs, they get restless with thunder and pets. They're shaking. You become restless. But imagine being on a boat, restless. Um, especially the disciples, we find it all throughout Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the story of the storm. The disciples were restless, but what was Jesus doing? He was found on a boat, sleeping, calm, calm like a baby, sleeping. And a lot of times when we doubt, that's what we're doing. We're, we're freaking out. Like we don't know what to do. We're unsettled, restlessness like the sea. What do I mean by that? It's a mind. Sometimes our situation may be fine, but your mind is wavering at night. You cannot go to sleep. A mind that wavers is a dangerous thing. A faith that wavers is a dangerous thing. Because you are never fully convinced. God can give you all the miracle, everything that you need. He could answer all your prayers. But a mind that has doubt will never be fully convinced that God's way is the best. Therefore, their mind will not stabilize. It will wander. It will be restless, no matter what, with wandering thoughts. What happens with wandering thoughts? The devil comes in. He puts in seeds of doubt and shame. He wants you to remember your past, that you are no good. You don't have what it takes to overcome. Don't have confidence. Remember what happened last night? Or what happened last week? Or what you did 10 years ago? He brings up records of our past. But when we believe in Christ, he, Christ, he died for us once and for all. And our sins, he will remember no more. That's why James, he says, again, going back to our main scripture, 1, verse 4 to 8. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be what? Mature and complete. Meaning you are standing on the solid rock of Christ, not on your emotional stability. For our emotions are everywhere. Not lacking anything. And if any of you lacks wisdom, you should what? Ask God who gives it to you generously without finding fault. And those who ask, you must believe and not doubt. You cannot doubt because if you doubt, you are like a person, like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. In verse 6, verse 7, that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. How can you expect anything to receive a good things from God when we are filled with doubt? We are unstable individual. Our faith is all over the place. It says in verse 8, James says, such a person is double-minded. Don't be double-minded. Be single-minded, single-hearted for the Lord. Don't depend upon your emotions here today or your feeling or the lies that people have said to you. Be single-minded because such a person is double-minded, unstable in all they do. So again, going back to our point, a dedicated servant. Are you a dedicated servant? Christ calls us to be dedicated to him and to him alone. When you're dedicated, you what? You persevere to the end. You seek wisdom from God. You ask God with confidence. You have no doubt that he will come to your rescue. He will come to your rescue. And he has come to your rescue. And God desires that we shall have no other gods, no other idols before him. And that's what happened with the Israelites, just like what we saw with Moses. Well, they didn't show that section of the story, but what do they do? They have doubt, right? They're like, they're doubting. They're doubting Moses. They're doubting Aaron. They're doubting Miriam. They're doubting everybody. Moses up in the mountain. 
getting the Ten Commandments. Oh, where is he? He's gone for like 10, he's been gone for 10 minutes. Get the gold. Let's make a golden calf, idols, gods. But God is doing a miracle behind the scenes. Always working for our good. Always working for your good. But we doubt him. Because that's just the way we are wired, I guess, as human beings. We, we are fearful creatures. It's very easy to doubt. That's why every day we need to turn our focus to him. He, he needs to help us to do it. I cannot do it myself. Christ is calling you to turn your doubt and go in the direction of faith. Faith in Him. Christ is calling us to have all of you, all of us. Why? Because Exodus 34, 14 says, Do not worship any other God, for the Lord whose name is Jealous. Jealous. I believe it's Alcana. I forget the exact Hebrew word, but is a jealous God. A jealous God. He is jealous for you. Why? Because you are his. You belong to him. If you didn't belong to him, why would he be jealous for you? Doesn't matter. But he is jealous for you. So in the beginning, I said, we're going to read from James 1 and 1 through 8. So let's close it and let's look at how James ends this section of the letter uh, by looking at, uh, let's continue reading uh, verse 12 and 16 to 18. Then in the end, I'll just read the whole thing together. Okay, you guys ready? Okay, we're done. Okay, so it says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change Again, this is that famous passage. He's the same yesterday and forever, like the book of Hebrews, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. So what is the promise that we receive? It's the crown of life. But sadly, Yes, that's in store for everybody, every human being. But sadly, not everyone will receive this crown. Why? Because they're going to reject it. Why? Because they're going to live in doubt. Why? Because they're going to live in rebellion. Why? Because they're going to live as an enemy of the cross, not as a friendship to the cross, to Jesus. So who is this in store for? Take a look at verse 12. That the Lord has promised to those who what? Who love him. Do you love him? If you love him today, that is the promise that is in store for us, the crown of life. It is available for us here today. So the question, do you love him today? Do you love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Do you believe that he is your Messiah? Do you believe that Jesus Christ, fully man, fully God, came to this earth to die for our sins, to take upon our sins, and died on the cross, and that he resurrected from the dead? Do you believe it? If it's a yes, with no doubt in your heart, then you will receive this crown of life. And that is the end game the crown of life, our relationship with Christ for all of eternity in heaven with him. I don't know about you, but for me, but for me, and I don't say this with arrogance, but I say this with confidence and with humility. This will be my life's mission, my life's anthem, my one and only life's call. What is that? to live for him, to die for him, like Peter. 
obviously, you don't make it happen. Like, you never know how things will work out tomorrow. We heard about the war in Israel and everything that's going on all around the world. Whether I live, whether I die, I live for him. Until then, I, what? I suffer for him. I rejoice in him. I live every ounce of my breath. I try. And sometimes my trying falls short. But it is Christ who lives in me, who abides in me, who gives me strength to continue. If it was up to me, I would not be in this point in my life. I cannot. There's no way. My heart would be too bitter and too hardened to reach out to any new people. But thanks be to God that he has healed me and he is healing me and he is healing you. And as Christians, this must become our life's anthem. Because he lives, I live. Because he loves me, I'm able to love. Love my friends, love my enemies, and to forgive. So James, I pray that as we're in this theme of real faith, uh, that we will continue to grow in our faith. Amen? Amen. Are you a humble servant? <clears throat> are you a joyful servant? And lastly, are you a dedicated servant? And that's what God desires of all of us here today. And with that, I'm going to invite the praise team. <clears throat> if you could please come up. Um, <clears throat> we're going to sing our last song. I belong to you. But before we sing, let me just read uh, the main scripture that we read today. Uh, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Trials and temptations, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded, unstable in all they do. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the water of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Amen. And amen. And with that, can we all stand to our feet? And as we sing this song, you can follow along and worship. You could pray, but feel free and feel led to seek the Lord in spirit and in truth. Let's sing and let's pray together. Even though Thank you. 
Fathers, want to thank you for calling us to be a devoted and to be a dedicated servant. Lord, what an honor it is to be your servant, Lord, to serve you, to serve our master. There is no greater honor than to serve you and to love you and to be loved by you, not just to know you, but also to be known by you and to know who I am and to know whose I am. Lord, I just want to thank you for loving us and for coming and sending your one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us, for our filthy life and our filthy souls. Lord, you have washed away all of our sins through the blood that was shed for us. And God, because you resurrected from the dead and you are no longer on the crucifix, but you are a living God who is alive and within us here today, we are able to pray to you confidently. As John declared and gave himself the title, Disciple Whom Jesus Loved, may we also have that same confidence as a child of God. May I say today, I am also a disciple whom Jesus loves. And on the flip side of that, let us also be childlike like Peter to run into action. Sometimes, God, we're hasty and we're abrupt and we make mistakes. But like a child, Lord, you correct us and you discipline us and you lead us to a place of maturity as Peter. When he was young, he went and dressed himself wherever he wanted. But the promise and the word that you gave to him is the word that you are giving to all of us here today. But when you're old, meaning when you're able and you have given your life to Christ, you will not dress yourself and go where you wanted as you did when you were young. But you will be led by where I lead you. So God, wherever you lead us, whatever that destination may be, whatever the season may be right now in my life, Lord, the end is found in you. Even in life, even in death, I will honor you and I will follow you. For the remaining breath that I have in this one short life that I have, I will follow you, Lord. Lord, may we remember how precious this one life is. And for us to be here today to hear your word is not an accident, Lord. For you are working every second, every minute, every hour of our life. And Lord, we will walk this journey. Even though at times we may crawl, we may not have the strength to get up, we will continue to run this race faithfully and we'll get back right back up to continue this fight that is found in Christ. So I want to thank you, Lord, 
Remind us here today that you have called us. Again, number one, what was it? A humble servant. I'm asking because I may forget. Number two is what? A joyful, joyful servant. servant. Okay, and lastly, number three is a dedicated yes, servant. Yes, a dedicated servant. Amen. And amen. amen. We declare it all to you. We thank you. We love you. We pray all these things. Your precious son, just cause me pray. And all of God's people pray. Amen. 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 And amen. amen. Um, with that, uh, we have an offering song for you. So can we all stand to our feet? This is a song that we'll be singing in the missions. It's a Filipino song. Uh, and then afterwards, I'll close the service with the offering prayer and with our final closings on Path of Life with benediction. Let us worship together. My Lord, my desire, how beautiful you are, my God, your love is my hope, forever not forsaken, my Lord, your name, my Lord, your my fortress and my foundation your promises remain the same yesterday today and forever i am Benediction, our final and closing song. Let's sing together. Path is 
Amen. Amen. Uh, let's close our service with the benediction. Uh, let us pray together and close our service. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And now, may the unending pursuit, may the unending grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the gentle counsel and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, which surpasses all the knowledge of this world, continue to keep you, guide you, protect you, lead you forevermore. And as God's people, we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you. I love you guys. I will see you all in the back. God bless you. Thank you.